We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Sixth edition of the Rotoware NFL podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. We joked about last week. This is actually the pre-Thanksgiving podcast. Of course, three games are going on Thursday uh, throughout the day and into the evening. Capitalized or capped off by really some pretty brutal matchups overall for the Thanksgiving slate. No more brutal than what occurred over the Monday night contest between the Rams and Ravens. Lamar Jackson at this point has now become the MVP favorite, which. Maybe we could discuss a little bit further because I was surprised to see that he had the highest odds in Vegas right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't expect him to uh, move up to the top so quickly. But then, again, look at a performance like that. How can you argue with it? The guy's an absolute stud. He's a league-winning quarterback. I mean, that's really the story of this game. He did it all. He had the Jackson 5 touchdowns. He had... I don't have the box score, but almost 100. Yeah. I was going to say almost 100 yards rushing. That was through the first half. Yeah, almost. basically. Yeah. So, I mean, he's basically getting you 35 to 40 points, depending on, on the nuances of your quarterback scoring. And, and that's a, yeah, that's a league winning player. And very rarely do you say that from the quarterback position because, man, when a guy like that is that prolific through the air 
and gets it done with his legs to level up that floor week to week. He's he's the uh, I mean the real life MVP. Christian McCaffrey's probably the fantasy MVP, but Jesus, Lamar Jackson keeps this up. It's going to be close. Of course, that's the voice of Jake Letarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. Obviously, I'm Joe Bartle. We've been along with you for the entire football season to date, and obviously doing the Tuesday edition of the Free Agent Podcast for Roto. Where you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. But I think it's a worthwhile uh, conversation to continue, if only because. With no bye weeks this week, there really isn't a lot of big name big name targets to go after in fantasy for agency. So mm-hmm. you're right. I, I agree that. And we'll probably talk about this more come week 17 yeah. when we do that final podcast. Uh, and there's less incentive for, I think, a lot of people to really dive into the fantasy perspective. But I would make a case that uh, Lamar Jackson is absolutely the MVP for fantasy as well. I don't even know if he's the real-life MVP. I think the Ravens' defense in particular is better than the Seahawks as a whole. And maybe it's the uh, UW Madison in me a little bit that's rooting for Russell Wilson. But to me, he feels more like the MVP and making the Seahawks a better team overall than what Lamar Jackson is at this point. And yeah. Lamar's great. Don't get me wrong. This is tough. I haven't rooted for, rooted for Russ since he left campus, to be honest. Like Outside of the Badger uniform, there's there's zero incentive for me to root for him. So that, you know that's a, that's a debate that we can have uh, at another time. But no, he, he's deserving because he's been given less. He's been given a lot less, Russell Wilson, I think, in terms of like surrounding tools. And uh, I mean, granted, they just got him a receiver, so I guess that's okay. But in terms of offensive line and running back talent, well, again, that's a topic for later in the show because there are some Seattle running backs. That That's a situation we need to discuss. Well, I think the Seahawks defense is worse than the Ravens, too. And we saw the Ravens defense utterly eviscerate the Rams at home. And and thankfully for this Monday night game, I think it could uh, at least erase many of the conversations that should be occurring that really haven't occurred with our Packers and how bad they dropped the ball against the 49ers Sunday night. Well, thankfully, we have another primetime game that completely shows a different team's ineptitude. And this goes back to Jared Goff. I think it's in the last three games. He's zero for five in terms of touchdown interception ratio. Robert Woods returned. Brandon Cooks returned. In both cases, they were able to do enough where you could probably realistically have a good wide receiver three or a flex spot out of those starts. But at this point, it's it's tough. I think Jared Goff this week was the 32nd ranked fantasy quarterback. That's not good. And especially for Rams offense that looked marvelous at points last year, mm-hmm. we've seen absolutely nothing from them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an offense that uh, as talented as the wide receivers are, they do need to run the ball to set a lot of that up when you get behind so early and have to throw that out the window and then just leave it up to the defense. You know, it's a, a lot of that is, you know, it's similar to what happened in the Packer game where, you know, you get behind early and then the pass rush gets to tee up. And, and even though they tried to establish the run more in the second half in the Packers, that is, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't enough. It was too little too late. So uh, you're going to see that in games like this. It's going to go from bad to worse quickly, especially if you have a young quarterback that's not able to, uh, I don't know, maybe read the blitzes as well, pick up on on, on the defense and, uh, and, and be forced to be one-dimensional. So... Yeah, I don't think all hope is lost for Goff, but you look at the uh, you look at the cap hits for the next several oh, years sure, for yeah. Goff to Jackson. I saw I saw someone that tweeted that that just illustrates the whole the whole game perfectly. Like uh, you've got a Rams team that's going to be committing a lot of money to a couple of players, and a Ravens team that's going to be set up for success for several years to come. I'm lucky enough to have a handful of pretty close friends that are Rams fans overall, and they've had to sit through the mediocrity for many years to get to last year where they got to the Super Bowl, obviously lost to the Patriots, and you would imagine that they would be in a similar spot this year, and that just has not occurred whatsoever. You look at the contracts for Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, I think in particular, obviously the two biggest ones, but a lack of an offensive line. How about a lack of draft picks to even compensate for the high totals of those main stars that have not done well? This is – I like – 
I've heard them talk, heard them Rams being fans, Rams fans talking about blowing up a team and trading Jared Goff and Todd Gurley releasing them outright. Mm, that's and not I just gonna don't, work. That's it not does, gonna work. You're you so get stuck. So, you get so much dead cap, and you don't have necessary picks to be able to put that team back together with actual starting players. I think at this point you're sort of stuck. Yeah, to go that route. I mean, you're talking like three years of being horrible. Exactly. Horrible. Again, so uh, I, I don't know. I think you have to try to work with what you have. And that, That's that's and, where I'm at, too. Mm-hmm. I think the other big takeaway from Monday Night's contest, obviously Lamar Jackson was great. Marquise Brown had two touchdowns, the very first two touchdown passes of Lamar's five. He probably should have had a third one. He dropped a pretty easy one. Mark Ingram also scored a receiving touchdown. Willie Sneed got on the act as well. But Gerald Everett, the starting tight end for the Rams, appeared to suffer a pretty significant knee injury. At first, it was almost an obvious, and I think I saw one of our RotoWire people who I'm, I'm blanking on right now say that he tore his ACL. Like it was pretty mm-hmm. clear that that, that, that kind of got glassed over on the on the broadcast. Right. You couldn't you couldn't really tell. It was an MCL sprain, I think, is what we determined. And Gerald Everett himself uh, said out on Twitter that he's fine. Well, I don't know what that really means in terms of fine and his stats moving forward. Tyler Higby was kind of emerging as maybe one of those trendy 12 to 14 overall tight ends. And if Everett's out, I feel like Higby might have a chance to sneak into that spot. I don't know. We're stretching here. We're, we're Bye weeks are over. So I know the tight end position is bad, Joe, but... You know, I think we could do a little bit better than that. Uh, all right, fine. I mean, that's not really my MO, but we could try our best to do better. Let's get into <laughs> a little bit of the, the free agent options we can consider, at least at the quarterback position in particular. There's a handful of names that at least I can brag about. Before we do that, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo Sports. For sports and betting fans in the New Jersey area, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Sports betting is available today on Yahoo Sports and the Yahoo Sports app powered by BetMGM. Yahoo Sportsbook powered by BetMGM allows fans nationwide to view betting odds across a variety of sports. And users of legal age to bet in the state of New Jersey can click through the odds to place bets on BetMGM. New users 21 or older in New Jersey New Jersey can make their first $10 deposit and receive $100 in free bets. Go to BetMGM mgm.com yahoo to get started and for a full offer terms and conditions again that's betmgm.com also yahoo daily fantasy continues to launch new fantasy contests every day visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to enter an nfl nba or nhl contest today all right so we again we've been focusing all season long on leagues again we're trying to go for the 12 team ones hundred dollars in waiver wear or fab budget opportunities and when we're talking about players that could be under owned we're really trying to focus on players under 50 percent owned specifically on our sponsored site yahoo here so with no bye weeks coming up and this being a pivotal moment for a lot of teams to either make or break the playoffs i'm in the 13 leagues of course i've talked about a few times i checked my records combined i'm 80 and 76 (laughs) and i think six of my 13 teams are either going to be in the playoffs or have a chance to this week so Mm -hmm. i'm about level of mediocrity that you possibly can be in fantasy <laughs> sports right now yeah see mine are more polarizing i'm either at the top of the league or i'm in the bottom except for stake league which is really really tight and stake so league you know i've got i've got a, <laughs> I've got a couple there where you know i try to shake the dice and get too get too cute on draft day which will happen and then i've got a, i've got one you know keeper league i've just set up to be successful for a while and then you know stake league's right in the middle but i'm starting to get healthy uh, so that's the mm. big thing. So that's what i'm looking at i don't quite have, have as many leagues as you uh but you're gonna have to you're gonna have a fun couple of weeks ahead because every single one of these matchups is going to be a must-win matchup and there's a lot of box scores and live scoring for you to be refreshing on yeah Sundays. and and actually my my family league which i'm in first place in right now and was my i think my second overall ever league in fantasy uh 
starts playoffs this week. And it's always great because we have the Thanksgiving weekend. It's a two week per playoff one. So you get mm-hmm. Thanksgiving weekend to really get the bragging rights going on and everything else. So I'm very excited about that. Considering That's actually a good way place. to do it in the family league. Normally I'd say, no, I don't like that. But given, yeah, given the context of the league, that is a fun way to do that it. That team is also being carried literally by Lamar Jackson. So thank mm-hmm. you, Lamar. Uh, and I have a few other teams that are like that. That was two week playoff matchups. I kind of like too. I hope that starts to catch on a little bit more. I know it makes the playoffs last longer, but it's a lot less fluky. And a lot, that's a lot of, that's what, a lot of people have to complain about when it comes to yeah. fantasy football. We keep talking Things about just it. get too fluky, when, especially you know, with kickers and defenses and all this kind of stuff. But the two-week thing, usually they do it in baseball because baseball actually yes. has the season yes. to support mm-hmm. it. But yeah, but fantasy football, it's less common. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, and I, I do like that idea. I hope it catches on more. We keep talking about things that we would discuss in the Week 17 podcast. That was another one that I was adding in my, my mental brain as to how we're going to run down that podcast. Mm-hmm. Like Different things we like to see change. Because you're right, I do like the two-week podcast in my Friends, specifically one that I've created and we've been doing now, it's a Dynasty League for the last, I think, six or seven years. We have the first week of the playoffs is just a single elimination, and then that championship round is a two-week one. And, and I'm not sure if I like that format, but I, I do like you. the two-week. Yeah, some overall. yeah, some leagues definitely do just the championship as the two-round two, uh, format. And I mean, my always way to eliminate the flukiness is to, is to go ahead and uh, give the teams with the best record a first-round buy, but don't actually pay anything for best record. I pay points. Points, yep. And I pay playoff standings. But your reward for the best record is to get that first round by. And that's uh, hopefully what a lot of us are shooting for this week. You're foreshadowing what I want to discuss in like a month and a half. Because you're right. I agree that points total should make a difference in the records. Mm-hmm. I hope that you were able to take our advice last week with Baker Mayfield and wasn't one of those two obvious plays. Because for a guy that was available in close to 50% of Yahoo leagues, he went completely off against the Dolphins matchup. And again, other than facing the Steelers this week... You look at Baker Mayfield's rest of season schedule during the fantasy playoffs, and this is exactly why you should have been picking up during the bye week or when you play the Patriots when his lower, his ownership value was even worse because I think that offense is getting closer. We saw Jarvis Landry get involved. Odell Beckham had a pretty big performance. And Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem, I mean, Hunt Kareem Hunt's coming around. That's fantastic. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, this, is, this is a dynamic offense, and really that's held back I think by Freddie Kitchens as opposed to Baker Mayfield's play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only the only downside here with Baker Mayfield is, of course, he's up to eighty two percent owned, and he's got a Pittsburgh matchup that's this I don't know not one. ideal. I this is a tough one. Him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's the lock in this one, but uh, definitely trending upward. Some of the other streamers last week, I think Jacoby Brissett had an okay game, uh, nothing too crazy, but because uh, again, Jonathan you saved Williams. by the rushing touchdown. I think that made yeah, a big saved difference. by the rushing touchdown. But the real big one uh, from last week, which will transition us nicely, is Sam Darnold. He came out and he lit up the Raiders, and now he's still only at thirty eight nine percent owned when I checked last night, and he's on the road this week, but he's at Cincinnati. Yes, and it's another glorious matchup. I think. I think he is your smash if you're uh, if you've been streaming quarterbacks like yep. me. You know, I, I I've got a, I've got a team that's so crazy but just doesn't have quarterbacks, and I'm, I was lucky, smart, whatever you want to call it, enough to keep Darnold in the lineup last week. And uh, he's not going anywhere, even oh, with Kirk like Cousins on my bench. We've talked. So. <laughs> we've, we've literally talked on air through your roster movements yeah. in that league because that was the Cam Newton less team, mm-hmm. right? where you had to yeah. make the decisions. And Sam Darnold was a guy that you had waffled between keeping or cutting on multiple occasions. And you and I both agreed with his schedule at this mm-hmm. point in the season, this was the time to keep him around. And if you had to start him, you have to feel good about what's getting result-wise mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So he, he's he got to be the number one streamer. I mean, there's some other interesting options that we might discuss this week and uh, you know, maybe even on the other side of that matchup overall. Yes. But uh, I still think that when it comes down to any quarterback on the list that we're about to talk to about, about uh, Sam Darnold and oddly enough, the Jets seem to be clicking well enough to uh, make him the number one stream this week. Well, and you talked about Andy Dalton now returning to the starting lineup for the Bengals, replacing Ryan Finley, our own Mario Puig, 
called that almost instantly. I think he said that you're going to see Dalton start in two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. It ended up being three weeks, but that was about as dead on as I've Does ever seen. Does that mean AJ Green's coming back? That's a lot of the speculation. Are we going to see should. AJ Green now that he has? Yeah, I assume that he's healthy at this point yes. and just didn't didn't really care for a winless team with Ryan Finley at the yes. helm. But maybe with Dalton back, he can at least go. He at least has some confidence to go out for a couple of games and and uh, remind people, hey, I'm still good. Sign me in free agency this offseason. I continue to say, and I will. I will continue, obviously, saying this, that uh, Green should not play the entire year. And because of that, he'll have more opportunities in free agency to decide where he wants to go. I think we're living off the AJ and Green memory from maybe two, three years ago when he was really at his peak. And I'm worried with the injury concerns and everything else and with the re-aggravation of the foot injury in particular, that he won't be the same receiver. But if he wants to dictate his future for years to come— not coming back at all this season actually feels like the smartest play out of anything. Yeah, yeah, right on. And again, just to illustrate, I wanted to throw on stat and for uh, for both sides of this matchup here, the Bengals allowing 24.7 standard fantasy points to, to opposing quarterbacks. And the Jets, we, remember we mentioned that they're, uh, you know, They've been so good at stopping the running yes. quotes only because they're getting lit up in the passing <laughs> game, um, which, which it's very interesting. The Jets have actually, actually allowed two more passing touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks, but they're 17th, uh, giving up 21.6 fantasy points per game. Standard scoring to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, if you need to stream, you know, I, I don't even know what the over-under is off the top of my head in that game, but uh, if you need to stream, I think this is the one that you target because... Uh, yeah, neither defense is, is doing anything to really impress you, and uh, that's what you got to take advantage of. Yeah, it's worth pointing out, too, in, in the case of— 41 is the total. That's not okay. great. Well, that's, you know, I'll take the over on that every time because you're getting the defense touchdowns added into that equation, too, and there's always the possibility when a Jets-Bengals game is happening that there's not even one but multiple defense touchdowns. There's only—maybe maybe Jameis Winston's more sure of a thing in terms of defense touchdowns than either one of these groups right now. Yeah, so. Jameis Winston is the new Matt Schaub. Can we say that? <laughs> I think he's he's going to be like the Hall of Fame Matt Schaub, right? Like this is very clearly the 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 pinnacle of oh my god, he made that throw. I can't believe that in both a good and negative way. Like I think anytime mm-hmm. somebody says Jameis Winston, text me. It's it's either completely one side or the other in terms of emotions mm-hmm. I should be feeling, right? I know, even just like watching Red Zone at the office, I hear someone else say Jameis, or I hear the, I hear the, the, the cast say Jameis, and I immediately perk it's up. A, it's a look. It's going to be yeah, interesting. Absolutely. It's either like one of my guys is scoring a touchdown or he's doing something horrendously bad. Yes, that's actually true. Win-win. And, I, I do want to talk about Ryan Tannehill just a little bit. Of course, the Titans are now emerging as a possible six-seed candidate in the AFC behind the Bills, obviously, as the five-seed. He's quietly picked up 20-plus fantasy points in five consecutive weeks. That's pretty close to Baker Mayfield territory. Against the Colts, though, this week in Week 13, and I'm a little bit concerned about that matchup. I don't know the health staffs that cornerback Pierre Desar, and I think Rocky Sin also left the game against the Texans on Thursday night with an injury or wasn't able to suit up. So that's a little bit—it depends on what those two guys' status is, I think, for this matchup if we want to really roll with Tannehill. Or Derrick Henry, who seems to be carrying the Titans, much like Lamar is carrying my fantasy team. Yeah, I mean, of course, there are a handful of quarterbacks that you don't really need to roster a backup. And most people do think of Tannehill, especially in fantasy terms, as a backup. But he's someone that could be in the mix of your rotation if you're like me. I mean, the Colts, not great this week, number 10 overall against opposing quarterbacks. But after that, he's got the Raiders, who are 30th, Texans, who are 29th, and then the Saints, who are 20th. Uh, to finish up the season, and then the Texas again, Texans again if you're playing Week 17. So not only has he been remarkably consistent for the Titans, he's got a pretty decent schedule ahead. This week is probably the least attractive matchup he's going to see the rest of the season, but uh, he has to be an option. 
Let's move over to maybe some two QB league options. Frankly, Daniel Jones might even be above this going against the Packers defense, which we just saw get eviscerated wholly, completely ripping my heart out wise on Sunday night football against the 49ers. Although that was more of the defense just dictating the outcome. I don't think the the Giants defense can do the same thing. So is it possible Mm -hmm. that Daniel Jones suffers with the pass rush from Preston Williams and I'm sorry, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith? Yeah, I mean, that's why I put him down for two quarterback leagues instead of uh, a stream option. You know, he is only owned in 26% of Yahoo formats, so he's out there if you need him. But, uh, I mean, again, the reason the 49ers won wasn't because of Jimmy Garoppolo and his amazing play. I mean, he actually took a bunch of hits early from that Packers defense and was consistently getting sacked. The Packers offense just couldn't muster any any sign of life. So that was the problem there. Um, again, Daniel Jones is at home, so maybe that helps a little bit. But uh, I still think the, the Green Bay pass rush is going to get after him, so I'm not super crazy Evan Ingram uh, about that. out that game. A Golden Tate left with a concussion. Yes, Golden before. Tate has a concussion. You that know, might Slayton's make a difference. still around. I don't know. Saquon's still around. So he's got some of the weapons. But I, we've very rarely seen Daniel Jones with a full stable of weapons, and it doesn't look like anything's going to change there this week. Devlin Hodges is taking over in Pittsburgh, obviously, for Mason Rudolph. Did you see the quote that Mike Tomlin gave as to why Hodges is starting over Rudolph? No, but I bet it's fantastic. Oh, he Tomlin's said one of my because favorite. he's not killing us. As, <laughs> as implying that Rudolph, and correctly implying, I should, I might add, mm-hmm. that Rudolph is killing the team. That's kind of crazy for, I think, one of the better head coaches in the league to really go on that sort of limb and make that kind of comment. Mm-hmm. But it goes to really show... Really threw him under the bus. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, again, it's it's entirely relevant to say something like that about Mason Rudolph. I, I last checked... Oh, man, it was Sunday night, I think, after the games. He had to be – it was top five lowest yards per target average in terms of Mason Rudolph, where Devin Hodges, who has gotten to play, I think, in three games, very minimal steps, obviously started one game for Rudolph with a concussion, uh, was eighth highest in terms of yards per target. I think this could be a huge difference maker, not so much for Hodges, but in particular maybe a guy like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who should be returning this week from injury. I think this might be a, a big benefit for the offense that has looked lackluster – to say the least. Yeah, maybe. You know, I put him on this list because there's a spot for everybody in two quarterback leagues. But now the more that I think about it, now the teams are on by, you'd have to be really in a really, really tough spot to think about starting Devlin Hodges this week, even against the Browns. I'm just not super optimistic. People get crazy that he came in and he threw that touchdown pass right away. But if you watch that play again, that was pretty much all James Washington. So, right. I, so I, you definitely don't expect Devlin Hodges to come in and light it up. You know, maybe he'll be less bad, but less bad is your best case scenario. I'm pretty sure you're just putting Mitch Trubisky on our rundown every single week to trigger me, and it yes. worked. Of course, he's going against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Lines historically have only had one thing going right for them ever in any single season, and it's this Thanksgiving game. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Bears, but I would not be confident at all in Trubisky throwing more than 200-plus yards, which I think is what you're looking for in a 2QB format. I don't know, man. Mitch came to life this past week, 278 <laughs> yards and a touchdown, had a rushing touchdown as well. I'm just going to ignore those two picks that happened. But, yeah, uh, you need to. Yeah, but it was actually his best fantasy point uh, total of the season. And Detroit is 24th against opposing fantasy quarterbacks. Then after that, it goes all downhill for Trubisky, so you can cut him then. But um, I don't know. He's out there for your two quarterback leagues. You might consider starting him if, if you're in a pinch. I mean, he's out there. If you really want to hate yourself more than you already do after stuffing turkey down your throat on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. more power to you. Well, usually the Detroit game's the early game on Thanksgiving, right? So Correct. you hate yourself and then stuff turkey. Normally, it's the other way around. But when are you, if you having want to... Thanksgiving? I don't know. When do you guys eat? Lunch. Later in the lunch? Yes. I don't know. Mine's usually like a three or four o'clock time. Oh. All right. Well, this is troubling. I maybe I have to like throw it on the poll here I don't and know. see Thanksgiving like, is when people lunch have Thanksgiving. Isn't it called Thanksgiving dinner? 
back in the 1600s when they had Thanksgiving. I, it was okay, the, I guess. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> when they're eating by candlelight now, mm-hmm. we have we have sunlight. We, we, we can flip the switch on, Jake. Yeah, this we have fine. football. We have, <laughs> I guess we're going to have football all day long, too. So uh, I, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But usually, I don't know, the way I think of Thanksgiving in, in my head is wake up, uh, you know, well, okay, so it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Right. You have a mini high school reunion. You get smashed with your friends, right? And then Thursday morning, you <laughs> wake up. Wisconsin specific. Yeah, you wake up. And then Thursday morning, you wake up kind of hungover. Uh, you, you make sure your fantasy lineups are okay. Maybe gamble a little bit. Probably gamble a little probably bit. Gamble a little and bit. then right around halftime is when I take the sh- take my shower. And well, then I thought you were saying something else. Yeah, yeah. About <laughs> halftime of the first game is you take your shower, and then we get up, and then I go to wherever. So whoever's hosting Thanksgiving uh, for the family this year. I, that, that's just my routine for so long so the first game comes before the stuffing at least in, in, in my you know tradition what? but i realize i'm not uh I'm, I'm not uh you know the common situation i was gonna this, say I, I, I figure out the difference and i imagine many people listening are going to be able to sympathize with me as somebody that's been together with my now wife for 10 plus years there are many thanksgivings that we must go to throughout a given mm-hmm. thanksgiving weekend so uh, there are multiple on thursday whether it be my family her family or anywhere else that we end up traveling to now this thursday is different i'll be actually hosting sirius xm with mario puig on Thursday and then doing some of the lineups, so I get to dodge that one necessarily, but hmm. that might be a little bit of a difference maker between our, our schedules throughout the given holiday. I hope she doesn't listen. You don't want to call it dodging. <laughs> no, she, she's never listening. It's totally fine. Okay, okay, sure. Let's move over to the running back. That's, like, that's like Euchre in Major League. Nobody's listening yeah. anyway, right? <laughs> that's exactly it. Uh, shout out to the 5,000 plus people that are actually going to be able to tune in and uh, hopefully get some fancy advice from us. Let's move over to the running back position. We talked about the Jonathan Williams uh, Jordan Wilkins situation in particular, and we kind of suggest, or at least I felt to avoid it to a point. If you could avoid going after that running back spot on Thursday night against the Texans, do it. I think many people, at least from not seeing the bidding process, were not able to going, at least Williams going for about 30% of budgets that were mm-hmm. available or left. And that ended up being great. He had over hundred plus rushing yards had clearly the amount, the, the main bit of carries, Hines got a little bit involved in the rushing game. I think he had 51 rushing yards and a few more catches, but Wilkins did absolutely nothing. Now, was that because he came back from injury or because Williams is just that effective? I don't think we'll ever know. To me, he's very clearly commandeered that number one spot for the Colts backfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it at this point. You know, I, and I was one of those who avoided it. I think I threw out like a $36 bid on Bo Scarborough because of my really bad running back situation in stake league, uh, headlined by a couple of Cardinals players that we won't name here. Um, but I went to Scarborough because I wanted to avoid the situation. I was actually afraid of Jordan Wilkins, who has u- been utilizing that role in the past, yes. coming in and cutting into that workload. Uh, then Jordan Wilkins comes out and logs one offensive snap, which you know maybe leads me to believe that he wasn't Completely fully healthy, healthy but he was exactly around was on an yep. emergency basis just because of the position group. There's not a whole lot there. Um, so yeah, that maybe that explains it. But uh, it it seems like Jonathan Williams has earned and will continue to be the the back to own in Indianapolis in any kind of uh, positive game script here moving forward. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think at least in the case of Williams or Bo Scarborough, who also did pretty well. He had close mm-hmm. to a thousand, or a thousand geez, that was a pretty good game. He had close to a hundred rushing yards uh, in the loss for the Lions. Did lose a fumble. Okay. Yeah. Still had most of the carries, though. So. And that's the big thing, especially when we were touting Ty Johnson, that somebody had to get the majority of the carries. Now, do you want anybody in the Lions' backfield is probably a relevant question, particularly heading into the fantasy playoffs. But if you are missing a Marlon Mack, if you're dealing with the Damian Williams injury for the Chiefs yet, you might mm-hmm. be forced to go down this direction. I don't feel like it's the worst thing in the world with Bo Scarborough in particular, and given his running style and how they've been able to do lately. Yeah, and uh, keep in mind that the Bears, you know, you, you think the Bears and you think, oh, they have a really good defense. They've got Cleo Mack. They're hard right. to beat. The Bears are just average against opposing running backs here. So, And you've got Thanksgiving. Scarborough seems like a guy that would 
definitely eat on Thanksgiving. Uh, the Bears are 15th in uh, fantasy points per game allowed two opposing running backs in standard formats. And of the top 25 teams, the Bears are the only ones to allow double-digit touchdowns to opposing running backs. So maybe you could say that's a little bit fluky, but I bet you Bo Scarborough finds his way into the end zone on Thanksgiving, and he's just 43% owned. So uh, you have to feel okay about trotting him back out there if you have to. Jeff Driscoll is the starting quarterback for the Lions, makes things a little bit more difficult. Uh, Obviously, if you have Matthew Stafford, I'd feel much more confident that they'll be able to move the ball effectively. But Driscoll's been actually decidedly average in terms of a starting Mm -hmm. quarterback, which is great considering he's filling in for Stafford, who was yeah. a fantasy darling for a lot of people. And, and, and Driscoll, you can argue, is is a better running quarterback, oh, and that tends to benefit the running backs uh, a little bit. You know, I always avo- I'm careful with those generalizations because you know there's a difference between running and scrambling for rushing yards yes. because you can't find anybody and actually being a good running quarterback. You know, Stafford might have you know, some better reads that makes him have to take off less a little bit. So you know, I'm careful about that. But in general, the more mobile the quarterback, uh, the more efficient the running back is. And you know, I haven't. I'll be honest i haven't you know tuned in and watched a ton of detroit games from front to back you know i don't blame you this season yeah i mean yeah who can blame me um outside of the ones where the packers are involved in and and i don't think they're they're suddenly running a bunch of read option with driscoll and that's usually when it helps the running back but nonetheless the downgrade from stafford to driscoll has has hurt the wide receivers some i don't think we can argue that but uh it's been okay for the running game it's been even an upgrade for the running game to allow a guy like scarborough to emerge so 43 percent on he's definitely one of the first couple of names i'm typing in here yeah kenny galladay has been okay but he's really gotten a lot of his production the past couple weeks off of big plays and goes back to your point where Driscoll's legs, I think, allow those opportunities for big plays to occur. So mm-hmm. you're right. I'm I'm still in on Bo Scarborough if I have to. And again, the Lions always play well to a point. I guess I think last year was the only time where they didn't. On these Thanksgiving games, it's their one time of the year that they really get on prime time. And as a Packers fan who's watched mm-hmm. many occasions where we've been upset by the Lions, I, I don't want to count out anybody when it comes to their offensive skill position players, especially running back in Bo Scarborough. Let's mm-hmm. talk about probably the biggest non-defensive position pickup this week in Rashad Penny. And I should have told everyone on Twitter, this is my fault, Jake, and I will put 100% of the blame on this. I had to drop Rashad Penny in stake league. This was this was the first time all season long I've had him on my roster the mm-hmm. entire time. I dropped him this week for Patrick Laird, who you apparently were telling me was a joke, and I had no idea uh, the DFS yeah. and fantasy yeah, community. Yeah, my understanding was the whole Patrick Laird no. thing was just a big conspiracy. No, it was yeah. 100%. It was like a big, it, not a conspiracy, but just kind of like a big inside joke for, no. the, for the industry. He Everyone's was, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be okay. But because I looked at that, I looked at that, in, you know, when I was making my DFS lineups, I'm looking all over Twitter. I'm like, huh, people seem to really love Patrick Laird. And then I, and then I fortunately ended up taking him out about, of about 90% of my lineups because I realized Benny Snell was in a little bit of a better place mm-hmm. um, to contribute and had the better matchup and, you know, and so on and so on, you know, didn't play for the Dolphins. But, uh, I, I don't know. I thought that was all a joke. No, it was legitimate because of his PPR aspect. And you imagine the game script going how the game really did, where the Dolphins were trailing early at a pass a lot. They just didn't get Laird involved. Anyway, I dropped Rashad Penny for Laird. And lo and behold, he goes for 100 plus rushing yards. Chris Carson, another fumble. I don't know if that was the direct reason why Penny was in the starting lineup or not. I think Penny just is, is finally getting to be healthy and got, had a couple more carries and was able to do more with them. You know, I think that, that that's part of the reason. I mean, Chris Carson had finally put away the fumbling woes for a while. Um, has good broken tackle ratings, I guess, uh, you know, if you look at some of the advanced stats here. But, you know, a lot of people forgot about Penny being a first-round pick, and, uh, you know, things didn't quite fall well for him in Seattle. This situation worries me a lot because I've got Carson in several leagues. Um, I'm probably going to trot him back out here this week. But, uh, you know, I've got Penny in one of my leagues, too, with Carson. And and at what point do I consider making a switch? I still, I still rank... <sighs> 
I'm still going to start Carson over Penny when it comes down to head to head. But this, I, I, I can, I'm admitting right now, this could very well be the last time I'm, I go that way the rest of the season. This is where you'd love to have the best ball format, and you have both Penny and Carson, mm-hmm. where you could take advantage. Because I want a runner of the Seahawks, but I'm not sure I know which one it is yeah. right now. I think my 16 team league, I might have both, and this will be a situation where, like I did in Stake League, to uh, to some success earlier when I started Johnson and Edmonds, I might just start Carson and Penny and, and hope I get it all. And that's a, actually a viable thing to do uh, if you drafted Penny as, or if you drafted Penny as kind of a handcuff to Carson, which I did in a few spots because I thought I was getting Carson at a good value. That's that's a viable strategy. But Penny's only 20%. Um, picking him up and starting him against the Eagles is a little bit difficult. But uh, among all these guys, the Boris Scarboroughs, the, you know, even Darius Geis, Laird, uh, Jonathan Williams, Penny actually has probably the biggest ceiling rest of season. Well, you're starting against the Vikings. They play the Eagles this week. But again, going, oh, going yes. back to the yeah, fact, correct. So that, I mean, that's the, another that's another kind of well, you know, where I was going with that though is that the the Eagles were actually the ninth best teams in terms of fantasy points at the running back position, mm-hmm. and Penny was still able to do that and look so effective. Now the Vikings are top five, they're number four overall. So this is a, a tougher matchup to go ahead and rely on, certainly with either Carson or Penny. But again, you might not have any better options. Like if you're forced mm-hmm. to go this direction. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind. Again, like if mm-hmm. I'm a Marlon Mack guy, I would much rather have Penny as opposed to Laird or the other guys that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Maybe Darius Geis, I'd rather have more, but I imagine Geis is probably more picked up in a lot of different leagues as opposed yeah. to Penny. For sure. And and last thing before we you know we get to some other backs here, touchdowns can be a fluky stat, but Vikings have allowed opposing running backs to score just twice, two rushing that's touchdowns twice. this season, and that's pretty impressive. Only the Patriots with one. Uh, have have done better than that, yep. so it's it's a very impressive stat here. But uh, I do want to hit on Benny Snell. Yes, right, absolutely. Um, because it looks like James Conner probably isn't going to be ready, and even though Jalen Samuels was healthy this past week, um, Snell got twenty one carries for ninety eight yards, four point seven yards per carry. He's only five percent owned last night, and they played the Browns. They played the Cardinals the week afterwards. Oh, okay. So I All messed right. up. They played the Browns. Uh, so. <laughs> Well, then anyway, how do you anticipate that game script going? Because I think it's I expe- still relevant. I expect it being dirty in yes. a similar way. You know, these teams are going to, you know, Baker might struggle to score a little bit. He'll probably get his eventually. Devlin Hodges, is, it's not like he's going to run the ball up and down the field. Uh, the, the Browns are actually 13th in terms of, uh, you know, uh, touchdowns or fantasy points per game allowed to opposing backs. So, uh, you know, middle-tier guy, but uh, I don't know. The, the matchup next week against Arizona is better. But, yes, Snell's there, but I— if and and he's me, in play, but I still rank him behind Jonathan Williams, Bo Scarborough, yeah. and Rashad Penny. I agree. Yep, yep, so, yep. so he's 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 in play for this week as a plug and play. But the 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 expectations aren't as great as I thought they once were. Uh, once upon a time, when I thought maybe he had the Cardinals. This yeah, week. and uh, you, if you gave me a prop bet with Snell and said he's going to go fifty total yards, I think I would take the over on that. But it would be very very close. Mm-hmm. And again, it depends certainly on what James Conner stats is going to be. But we talked about this. Two or three weeks ago when this James Conner injury first surfaced, that the Steelers were very hesitant to give Jalen Samuels the main bulk load of the workload. And and we saw like Trey Edmonds sneak in as a guy that got a bunch of carries as the between the tackles guy. And Samuels has done nothing more than catch a bunch of passes in that one game. That's kind of been it. So Mm -hmm. I I would be okay if I had to start Benny Snell. But again, I imagine you're not in playoff contention right now and having to worry about this sort of situation in that backfield. Yeah, running backs are definitely the star of this week's show here. it's, ranking them is difficult because uh, you know you have to take rest of season and also this week into account. Um, you know this week I probably like Williams and Scarborough a little bit better, but uh, Penny's the number one rest of season. Uh, are you with me there? Yeah. 
Oh, I don't know. I think Scarborough might be the rest of the season for me. I need to see one more week of Penny getting the majority of the carries. I have no doubt that Penny's the most talented running back in that backfield. I've been saying it since August. Mm-hmm. We just haven't seen the Seahawks yeah. see that, and that's my concern. So give me one more week. If Penny is that guy, fine. But if you have to be aggressive mm-hmm. with free agent bids and assuming Penny could be, I'm fine with that, especially if you're taking advantage of an idiot mm-hmm. like me who dropped him in league formats out there. Yeah. This is the time, I think, to capitalize on an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're looking ahead to week 13 here. So what do you think in terms of fab bids for your top option? A third of them or whatever you have well, left yeah, at this point? I, I would imagine you know a tenth of the budget probably secures it, so, or, or 10 to 20. So I'm thinking maybe if you have 50 bucks left, you throw a 15 to $18 bid out on Rashad Penny, that gets mm-hmm. him. And that's all you really need to do. And if I, I don't want to go any more than that. I don't think he's any more aggressive I need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, I think that's fair. I, 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 the thing is, is Williams at 63%, Scarborough at 43%. It might take more than that if your league was sleeping on him and you True. really need to run him back. True. You're you're right. Let's move over to the wide receivers. I had talked about Debo Samuel. I'm not sure if you or somebody else was the one downplaying it, but that ended up working out great because, it was probably as me. we know, the Packers defense is miserable. Uh, Darius Slayton, guy that I've been pretty high on quite a bit throughout the year, and it's kind of taken a lot of people um, time to catch up has very clearly become the top receiving option, I feel like, for the Giants. And offensively, he's the most explosive player. Going against the Packers' defense this week, I'm not saying he's a must-start, but if you don't have him picked up already, he needs to be on your roster. And I think he could be a difference maker in the fantasy playoffs if you're looking for a wide receiver three or flex right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We don't know what Golden Tate's going, I don't going on with the concussion, but it, yeah, it might not matter That's because exactly. they play different positions. So even with Sterling Shepard back, let's take a look at the numbers here. Sterling Shepard, 95% of the snaps. Golden Tate, 83.3. Of course, he left the game. And then where do we have Slayton here at 85%? So right up there with Shepard, but more productive than Shepard. So we'll start to see, uh, we'll see how that goes moving forward. But I think Slayton, yeah, he's fair. In standard he's probably the top leagues. guy to add. In standard scoring leagues, I think I need to have him on my team. I might need to have him starting this week against the Packers. We've seen what speed at the wide receiver spot can do. I don't need to keep repeating the names, but I will. Tyreek Hill, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel last week all took advantage of Kevin King in particular and also the soft coverage of the Packers secondary seems to play. I think there's going to be a lot of passing involved. This is going to be a, a shootout potentially given how bad both defenses have been this year. And I think Slayton's going to get at least in the end zone once. And that's, that's, I and, and the snow in Wisconsin is supposed to happen tomorrow night, right? Well, I, I guess I don't we'll know. see. You're more of the meteorologist yeah, than me. Yeah. I, I wouldn't consider myself a meteorologist <laughs> at all, but uh, I, I hear it's coming tomorrow night. I don't know if we'll get any, uh, I just, I was so surprised that it was snowing in the last game that I was at, that uh, it can happen at any time. So sure. that'd be the only, so check the weather forecast because this game is in, is in green Bay. But uh, outside of that, uh, actually, no, wait, this game's in, in New York, so never mind. Well, just, it still I, applies, though. Yes. I mean, the weather still applies in terms of uh, conditions that they might have to play in New York. I did Fair. want to move over to Cole Beasley, who you put down in the rundown as a revenge game narrative on Thanksgiving. I love that. I, I had no <laughs> idea. I didn't even think about it. It's like, oh, Bill's Cowboys on Thanksgiving. yippee ki I can't wait to watch that one. But tune in but for the Cole, Cole Beasley Cole revenge Beasley special. It is gross-looking beard that resembles mine currently going ahead and trying to uh, slice and dice for five yards per catch against the Cowboys secondary sounds like thrilling afternoon entertainment for apparently when you have Thanksgiving. Yes, exactly. So I mean, this, this is going to be on in the background, you know. Uh, if your family, Woo-hoo. yeah, exactly. But no, the 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 Cole Beasley revenge game narrative. I'll take it. You guys d- were willing to dump me and sign Randall Cobb. Well, let me show you. Uh, you know, so. But that just sounds so bad. Like yeah. I, I'm picturing the the little cute graphics they put on the screen for Cole mm-hmm. Beasley and what he's done in the slot recently, and compare those numbers of the Cowboys and it's going to be identically similar 
you know, this is it's yeah, this is great background yeah. noise to have for your revenge game narrative of Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll do one DFS lineup, but I don't I don't know if I'm picking it back up. But you know, his six seventy six one line was his best line all season. He has scored touchdowns in four of six games since the bye week. Um, but again, he is your definition of replacement level in fantasy. Right, you know, you don't you don't pick him up and expect to get a whole lot more than the guy you cut. Correct. Yeah, you're right, and it's worth pointing out: first time in 12 weeks, John Brown has gotten less than 50 receiving yards. He was the only wide receiver in the NFL to have that sort of stat line through the 12 weeks. I, I'm not saying Brown's going to go off again uh, on Thursday night against the Cowboys, or I guess Thursday afternoon, but I feel more comfortable saying at least Allen. I'm sorry, Allen and Brown are going to have more of a connection in terms of the passing yards, and I think I think there's a there's at least a a case be made that this is going to be a close game and maybe like a 23-20 kind of scoreline, which would mm-hmm. favor John Brown's score, but also Beasley, I think, being a factor throughout. Or maybe the Bills come in, whoop up, and no uh, be coach killers. No <laughs> way do the Bills come in on Thanksgiving and oust Jared or Jason Garrett and the Cowboys. And if you that, don't if know they, how bad that is behind the scenes. Yeah, no, if they do, I think he's, he's fired. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. a Friday morning. We're going to sneak that in the Black Friday headlines. Garrett's fired, no longer the coach of the mm-hmm. Cowboys. And Cowboys then, are seven-point favorites for that game, total of yeah. 45. No way. Yeah, again. No way. Uh, moral of the story here is the pickups are on the running back end this week, yeah. not so much on the receiving end. Uh, Jake, they're unless, also the defense. Yes, uh, also the on defense. the defense. But you, you, gave the, you gave the warning last week there. I here. did. Let I me did. quick I check. Uh, I want to quick check Slayton's ownership percentage because I don't think okay, I remember to put it in. Only 25% owned, so he would be your top wide receiver pickup this week. Uh, regardless, I agree that Golden Tate doesn't uh, necessarily dictate whether you pick him up or not, but if Tate's out, then the outlook goes up even more because you have more tar- targets to go around. Yeah, it's more of the matchup and why I'm chasing that again. Packers defense have been pretty miserable in terms of stopping the pass. They've gotten mm-hmm. the quarterback. That makes a difference. I'm just not anticipating great things overall in terms of them stopping mm-hmm. The few weapons that are left in terms of a healthy Giants receiving core and Saquon Barkley included. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikhil Harry caught his first touchdown pass last week in that really, uh, well, last week on Sunday in that rain-soaked contest against the Cowboys. The touchdown was nice, and it was good to see that Tom Brady utilized him in the red zone like he should be. Are you in on at least trying to acquire Harry in deeper 14 and 16 team leagues? Because I'm not sure I need to be going out and getting him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I do own him in uh, our 16-team staff league, so that's interesting. Um, looking at the snap distribution, I believe Muhammad Snu was either out or limited, yes, if I have out. that correct. Um, so he was, yeah, he was, he didn't even play. Right. And I think that's a big part of it. But Nikhil Harry, 81.4% of the snaps, Julian Edelman, 97.1%. Jacoby Myers was third, 77.1%. So... Uh, as long as Sanu is limited, I mean they didn't have they didn't obviously they don't have Josh Gordon anymore. They didn't have uh, Sanu or Dorsett in that game. Uh, you know I don't know Slater two point nine percent of the snaps. Does, you know that's not really a factor at all. Um, but geez, uh, he's someone that you think about streaming or maybe going with as a cheap option in DFS, depending on what the rest of that Patriot injury report looks like. Um, I know you were a big believer in his athleticism coming out of college. You thought, you know, and I didn't necessarily disagree with you in that sense, but I was more uh, backing off because of the, uh, you know, because of the crowded position group in New England and the fact of how Belichick tends to handle some rookies on the offensive end. But, uh, you know, I don't know, rest of season. It's been changing a lot, too. I mean, certainly the receiving core for the Patriots has looked different vastly week to week, much less Mm -hmm. uh, season to season right now. And, of course, Antonio Brown and that saga is kind of, Helped in that equation. Harry's more of a best ball guy for me, and uh, yeah, I've been I've been pretty lucky with the John Rosses, Marquise Browns, 
Um, and uh, DJ Charks of the world of my best ball lamps, and I have to really be concerned with Nikhil Harry getting production, but that's where I find more value for him. Um, and I hope, at least in the case with no bye weeks going on, and you're listening to this in consideration for playoff contention, you're not having to rely on Harry to make a difference. I think that's kind of mm-hmm. where I'm at right now, which is frankly how I describe most of these free agent pickups at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He's just someone that. Uh because of the general unknown, maybe has a little bit of ceiling depending on how that position group shakes out. So you, so you never know. Yeah. We'll get to the tight ends and defenses. Of course, I get to stand on my, uh, well, break a little bit more, stand on my hill with the Eagles defense in a little bit. I do want to get a word from our sponsors, Armchair Quarterback, though. Armchair Quarterback is a real-time game where you predict the next play during a live football broadcast. Do you know what the next play is going to be? Predict it and earn points, climb the leaderboard, and increase your chance to win tickets and other prizes. It's the perfect way to make watching games more exciting. We have a special league for all RotoWire subscribers, and we'll be posting the leaderboard online and be mentioning the players there. This week, we're playing with the Vikings and Seahawks Monday Night Contest. Of course, maybe you can get on the Rashad Penny action that we were just discussing earlier. You can also for- form your own league with your fancy friends. The full schedule and game inf- information is available at armchairquarterback.com. Again, armchairquarterback.com. Armchair Quarterback. Make every game bigger. All right, let's go to the tight end position. We talked about Cameron Brait, who had a whopping 14 targets the week before. Of course, as is customary with all Buccaneers tight ends, did absolutely nothing. Only one target, I think, or one catch this past week. It, it's safe to he say was, that that might be the most frustrating position in fantasy right now. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I, I did one DFS lineup with Brayton, and of course with Kelsey on a bye, I was starting Brayton in multiple places. <laughs> of course. Obviously did not work out. You know, he was nice and wide open on that touchdown that went to uh, Vita Vea, but you know, again. Yeah, well, why not throw your 400-pound defensive tackle? That's so fun. Yes, so exactly. And, and, I mean, you're talking to the biggest proponent of fat guy touchdowns alive here, man. <laughs> Do you know how you know how getting a touchdown in high school would change my life as a, very, as a, a pretty husky kid? The biggest proponent of fat guy touchdowns is so on brand. I never knew there was something mm-hmm. that could be more on brand than that. Yes, exactly. But anyway, yeah, that can be, we can move past that though. Ryan um, Griffin yes. also had a pretty good game for the Jets again. He, he, he yeah, caught touchdowns. Three for 18 that was the and only touchdown. thing. That's all, I mean, that's all you need when you yes. want one of these guys at this point. Get eight points from eight fantasy points from your tight end. You know, do the Homer Simpson. Woo-hoo. Yeah. It's and like, Kyle Rudolph as well. We talked about was on a bye week this past week. Comes back now again in a bit more of a difficult matchup here against the Seahawks. However, Again, with all the tight ends and, and lists and Jeff actually talked on the Monday uh, broadcast of this mm-hmm. where most of the top end guys have disappointed. Kittle's been okay, but he's been hurt at times. Kelsey has been getting a lot of yardage, not a lot of touchdowns. Zach Ertz has finally came on towards the end here, but he's been a disappointment. Hunter Henry's been hurt. O.J. Howard has been a crater. Uh, it, it's been difficult if you were drafting him on the top six tight ends mm-hmm. overall. And as a result, you're kind of just going by week to week, hoping you get production. Mm-hmm. I'm actually... Uh... I'm more interested in Rudolph. I didn't think that he would have fallen, but I guess during the bye week, people had dropped him. He's down to 47%, mm. and he technically uh, flies for our rules here. And, uh, you know, he might be, I'm looking at some of these guys, you know, it's the tight end market, but uh, you might want to type his name in if you're looking because he could be, you know, he could be, he's established at least. You know, some of these guys are just true. Our, our flyers. And I think actually one of the bigger pickups overall this week is going to be Jack Doyle. Eric Ebron was placed on injured reserve Monday after he had an ankle injury over Thursday's game. So it's essentially Jack Doyle and Jack Doyle only. That matters more if Andrew Luck's quarterback. I don't think it's as big of a difference with Jacoby Brissett. But when you're talking about guys in 12-team leagues that are of consideration at the tight end spot, at this point, anybody that's getting four or five targets per game 
has to be in that conversation. Our very own Jerry Donabedian, who's done a lot of great work on the podcast network, but also SiriusXM, writes all the great articles. Basically, every great article that we've had, along with uh, Mario and yourself, when you're doing your college football stuff. Uh, Jerry's among that group, and he had a tweet, I think, that I thought was pretty funny. Um, Better rest-of-season asset in leagues, where you get positive points for targets, but negative points for yardage. It was Dallas Goddard, Jack Doyle, Kalen Balash, uh, Tariq Cohen. <laughs> Balash just ran away with that one, but I yep. thought Doyle being in that conversation was very on point with mm-hmm. how bad he has been in terms of actually getting usage out of targets he gets. Yeah, this is very interesting. I mean, Ebron always was uh, issues with his hands on occasion aside. He ran a lot of routes, and now you've got 29, 29, 43 over the last three weeks. Those are his snap counts, and suddenly those are wide open. Yes. And, um, and so I don't see Mo Ali Cox suddenly lighting it up in the passing game. So <laughs> no, um, no, I don't either. I know. Okay, so college basketball editor yes. here. I know Mo Ali Cox is the former VCU center. That's like, that's where he's. That's where that's how I know his name. We're one um, step away from you talking about Antonio Gates's basketball career too. <laughs> see that one's a little bit more wider publicized than this one. But no, uh, yeah, Jack or Jack Doyle only owned in a third of leagues. I think the volume is going to be there now. And given the state of this position, uh, there are some replacement level guys. I mean, your Goddards and your Fells that uh, maybe I'd feel a little bit better about, or a lot of bit better about jo- Doyle actually, uh, you know, having a bigger floor, maybe even a bigger ceiling week to week. Yeah. You talk about repra- a replacement level guys. And I think we have to move over to the Giants tight end position again with Evan Ingram sidelined uh, this past week of Sunday with the foot injury against the Bears. Rhett Ellison, his health is up in the air. I think at this point, Caden Smith might be a name you'd consider. And again, this is more so because the Packers defense is just that bad. We saw George Kittle completely light up the Packers on Sunday night football on primetime. Uh, Caden Smith had Five catches for 17 yards and a touchdown against the Bears. So mm-hmm. maybe there's a possibility that the uh, rookie sixth-round pick this year could make a difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Packers are basically Cardinals level at this point when it comes yes. to fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. Somehow, I mean, 49ers' best offensive player is Kittle by quite a bit, and they let him just run wide open on him. And uh, yeah, I don't know what kind of adjustments they're going to make here, but I could see uh, – at least one of the touchdowns from the passing game going to the tight end position for the Giants. Again, the Packers 30th in the league. It's brutal. Um, so whoever's starting there uh, needs to get some consideration. We'll see that, what's going on with Ingram. That's the big question mark. Um, if know, Ingram's in, that's a big difference yeah, maker. If Ingram's in, then forget about this the Smith conversation. Well, I think Ingram becomes one of the most must-starts, even coming off of injury. And I think I heard a few people, um, List was actually one of them, you saying he must didn't start play. him coming off of injury. Because he's burned you oh, so many times. No, see, I'm must starting. I'm must starting any tight end with that athleticism against the Packers defense. Same went for Kittle too. Like I had Kittle and Mark Andrews mm-hmm. in a lot of different places, and I went with Kittle knowing for certainty gotcha. that my Packers defense was so bad. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's a worthy conversation. But I do want to bring the, the, the number thirty overall ranked defense against the tight end spot. You look at the tight ends that the Packers have played, like the Raiders in particular. Darren Waller lit them up a couple weeks ago, and then Foster Moreau also scored a touchdown. They had a lot of pretty decent tight ends overall, and I wonder if that number and how bad they have been mm-hmm. is buoyed a little bit by how great the tight ends they've played overall this season. Yeah, you know, you could say that a little bit, but also when you're talking 11 games in, you have, in my opinion, enough of a sample size or as good of a sample size as you're going to get in the NFL. Even uh, even Travis Kelsey, they played too, so they've played pretty much all of the top tight yes. ends. Zach Ertz had, you know, had a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelsey had that touchdown. So you're right, they have played a lot of the top tight ends, but so that, that doesn't necessarily mean just anyone can go off. 
but uh, I would bet that the tight end group gets it. Whoever it is, whatever the injury report says, one of those guys scores against the Packers this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I say that begrudgingly because I agree with you. That's that's probably going to happen. Let's move over to the defenses. My top pickup, and I had been saying it even last week. My top pickup: the Eagles' defense. You weren't going to start against the Seahawks, but they got you 11 fantasy points. And in fact, I wish I would have started them in a number of occasions. Cough, cough, Raiders defense. Uh, This week, again, Dolphins. Giants the following week. Redskins after that. This is a top five fantasy defense the rest of the way in the fantasy playoffs, and I think they're getting healthier. Like mm-hmm. I saw people say, a few people saying, let's go pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick because Eagles secondary has been bad. No. They have been getting healthier. They have a pass rush going on. Their linebackers are at least faster than anything that I've seen as a Packers fan in recent memory. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Eagles' defense is a sieve like we saw earlier in the year, and I think at this point they need to be one of the top pickups if they're still available in your league. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. With that, you see, I took your advice last week and I picked him up, but I didn't start him over the Jaguars and I didn't start him over the Browns. And I wish I would have. Oh, but the now Browns did fine. Yeah, I guess the Browns. Yeah, the Browns did fine. It was close. About, so it was, it was least, close. Yeah. yeah, those two would have been close. So, um, but yeah, overall, uh, uh, those are, I mean, that's the one that you have to target out of all of them. Now, maybe you consider, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of other lists out there. You know, I like to cross check all my lists. You see the Jets. Some people want that against the. Uh, against, that was probably with Ryan Finley, though, as the starting quarterback, as opposed to Andy Dalton. Like with with yeah. Dalton on in the starter, I don't want to mm-hmm. go anywhere near the Jets' defense. I see. It's not like Dalton was lighting it up early in the year. He gets either. great junk time production, though. Yeah, junk time production. That's it. But you know, maybe he'll get you a turnover or two going in, and he's absolutely has no ability to avoid pressure. I've I've spent mm-hmm. almost all fifty minutes of this podcast destroying mm-hmm. the Packers' defense. Yeah. But would you consider using them against the Giants this week? They can get sacks. We know they can get turnovers. Mm-hmm. Daniel Dimes has been the fumble machine and interception machine for his start to his rookie career, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I could see them taking advantage and getting at least a baseline of six to eight points, which is what I would want if I'm trying to stream a defense. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at DFS salaries yet, but that's what I'm going to. You know, I used Washington last week. Yes, uh, to some success. Yeah. I think the Packers could this could be this week's DFS Washington, uh, just because you know maybe they get a little bit of bad weather help, but the sacks bring their floor up. Um, they'll give up some points but i also like their chances of a big play so the packers are probably in that conversation but i would be guessing in your season-long league if you're looking at the waiver wire list look yeah. at jerry's article he ranks them all for you every single week but if you're looking at the, in your at the pickup list in your season long you're probably going to find a team better than the packers but when they you, when the you try to do value week. in dfs then see i, then I, I think they could it. be a season-long asset of course the eagles again dolphins giants redskins the next three weeks but the packers play the giants mm-hmm. this week Redskins the following week, and that one's in Lambeau Field, too. So, like, that, that's a real possibility for them to do at least six to eight, like I was talking about, and then 10 to 15 points if they are able to get a few touchdowns, or I'm sorry, not a few touchdowns, but eight yeah. touchdowns. Certainly, you're yeah. getting nothing from the Packers defense and special teams from the special teams category. And Philadelphia is up to 42% owned now in Yahoo League, so you that needs do to have be to 90, think about that a little 99% bit. 99% owned Oh, it right will now. be after waivers clear tonight. Yeah. But. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, I'll have done something. I, I feel like my mission on this earth is to get the Eagles defense up to the top-owned off or top owned asset in terms of fantasy, and we're going to get there. It's uh, If I have to keep saying on every single radio station I do mm-hmm. on Radio Hits, we'll get there. Yeah. I promise you. You bet. Any other uh, words of encouragement for fantasy owners with the fantasy playoffs either starting Mm -hmm. this week or the week before? If you are chasing lost bets this Thanksgiving weekend or lost DFS in NFL, 
Head on over to Rotowire College Basketball. We'll help you win your money back. <laughs> I, I, I might have to do that after uh, trying to guess the spread correctly with the Ravens and Rams this past Monday night. Oh, God. I love Lamar Jackson, but he giveth and he taketh away, it feels like, for my, my budget mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, for right. me, it was all giveth this week, and I'm, I'm ready for that to keep coming. <laughs> well, they play the 49ers, so hopefully I agree with you. I have a lot of Lamar Jackson shares. Of course, it's a very pivotal week for a lot of different people, so hopefully he continues to light up the 49ers. Man, I'd love to see San Francisco lose. Yeah, and I think it could very well happen. This is probably their best chance the rest of the year. Uh, All right. Well, best of luck to everyone and your fantasy lamps. We'll be back again next week to talk more Mm -hmm. free agent And happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, of course. Of course. There's Jake throwing in the humble, humble, nice talk to Mm -hmm. the podcast. Yeah, it is the pre-Thanksgiving show after all. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.